And in our sermon series uh, text for this month, um, it's found in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. It says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think, according to the power, underline that word power in your Bible or highlight it on your app, according to the power that works in us. To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. I really believe uh, that God does have a plan for us tonight, uh, that God has a plan for us as individuals, that God has a plan for us uh, as a church, uh, that God has a plan for, for us as a fellowship. Uh, and if God has a plan for us, that you know what that means is that we weren't an accident. Uh, we weren't a mistake. Uh, we might have been unexpected, but we weren't an accident. God knew exactly what he was going to do in our lives. The Bible says before we were even formed in our mother's womb, he already knew us. Uh, he already had this plan uh, destined for us. Uh, and that moment uh, where we came came to a place in our lives uh, where we called upon the name of Jesus and asked him to be Lord and Savior in our lives. We set in motion the plan of God for our lives. We, we set in motion what God wants to do in and through our lives. God, he reveals his plan for us as we serve him. So many times we wonder, what's the will of God for my life? What's the plan of God for my life? Well, as we serve God, as we labor, as we, as we uh, co-labor with one another, as we get involved, uh, God begins to reveal his will for our lives. He begins to lead us and guide us into directions that maybe we wouldn't even have thought of if it was left up to ourselves. That's why it's, I believe, so important that we get involved that we get involved here in the house of God, that we get involved when these doors are open. There's so many areas uh, of ministry where, where you could be used, where you, your time and your talents and your, and your, and your labor could be used. And, and as you give and as you serve, God begins to reveal his plan for you. That's why it's so important that we get involved. You know, God has a plan for us, but you know who else has a plan for us? It's the enemy of our souls. The Bible says that the enemy, his plan is to steal, kill, and to destroy. His plan is to make us feel helpless. His plan is to make us feel weak. His plan is to make us feel powerless. And that's why we need the power of God to be at work in our lives. That's why we need the Holy Spirit of God to be with inside of us. And that's why we need to be serving, uh, in, in, and not just in, in our strength, uh, because we won't make it, but in the strength and in the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Uh, tonight, uh, I want to talk about the supernatural power of God. And I've, and I've entitled this message, I've Got the Power. Say it, I've Got the Power. Remember that old song in the 90s, I've Got the Power. Some of you are thinking about that song, right? I know I was when I thought about it. The Apostle Paul, in, when he starts with the book of Ephesians, he starts off by reminding them that he's been praying for them. And that's so important because everything starts with prayer. We have, praise God, pastors that pray for us. We have leaders that pray for us. We have friends, we have family members that pray for us. I know many of us are here today because we had a, a praying parent or a praying grandparent uh, that, uh, that had been on their knees interceding to bring us into the house of, of God. Amen. And thank God for those that have been praying for us. But you know who else needs to pray? We do. 
We need to learn how to pray. We need to learn how to intercede and, and bring our supplications before the Lord and get on our knees and just begin to, to call upon the name of God. Everything starts in prayer. You want to have power in your life? You want to be victorious in life? It starts in prayer and your fellowship and your communication with God. And the Apostle Paul here in, in, in the book of Ephesians chapter 1, verses 19 and 21, he's telling the church, I'm praying for you. I'm praying that you have spiritual understanding. I'm praying that you have insight into the knowledge of the hope that we have in Jesus. Uh, and I'm also praying that uh, you understand the power of God that works within each and every believer here tonight. He says uh, in, in 1, 19 through 21, he says, I also pray that you would understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. He's saying that there's an awesome God that we serve, that Christ is the ultimate authority. And in the New Testament, there's four main words for power used to describe, to try to define power. We know uh, the dunamis power of God, right? Uh, dunamis is a Greek word uh, from which we have the English word dynamite. And you think about how much power, how much energy is contained in one stick of dynamite. And it says dunamis is uh, the dynamic ability to cause change. The power that God has deposited in your life, that dunamis power, is a power that is able to cause change. You want change in your life, you got to get a hold of the dunamis power of God. You want change in your marriage, you got to get a hold of that dunamis power of God. You want to see change in this community, in this nation? It's not going to be by griping and saying, oh man, we're setting in such a wrong direction. It's by getting on our knees and getting a hold of the dunamis power of God and saying, God, have mercy on this city. Have mercy on this state. Have mercy on this nation. Have mercy, God. The next word is excusia. hope I'm pronouncing it right. And what that is, is the delegated authority given to us by Christ. It's the right and the authority to use God's dunamis power. When the enemy would lie to you and say, who gave you that authority? Christ gave me that authority. The Bible says uh, in Luke 10, 19, that uh, the authority to trample upon snakes and scorpions has been given to us. Uh, snakes and scorpions being symbolic for demons and devils. Christ has given us the authority to trample over the devils and the demons that would try to assault tonight. Iskus is another word, and it means strength, power, might, force, and ability. It's the ability to do what isn't humanly possible. We used to, at the old church, we used to have a, a saying, scripture, on the uh, altar. Some of you remember, and it says, with God, all things are possible. And sometimes we might find ourselves in an impossible situation. And sometimes you might find yourself having to do the impossible. It's that, that iscus power of God that you are able to do what is beyond your human strength. To keep going forward, to keep pressing through no matter what has come against you. No matter how sick you are in body, to keep pressing through and to keep serving God. And lastly is Kratos, which is ruling power or dominion. God has given your 
us as his people dominion. We have dominion over the lies of the enemy. We have dominion over the strategies of the enemy. We have dominion, and we need to take that dominion. Stop getting pushed around by the enemy. Stop getting tossed to and front and start taking dominion. Start taking land. If you see the enemy and he's coming into your home and he's attacking and assaulting your children, you don't sit there and take that, but you rise up and stand up against him. And no, devil, I take the authority that I have in the name of Jesus Christ, the power that I have. These are my children and the blood of Jesus, the wonder-working blood of Jesus, I pray over them. You can't have them. You got to get through me. As a believer, God has equipped us with the power and authority to carry out the plan of God that he has for our lives. See, God's power in our lives is to accomplish God's will for our lives. The power of God is for God's glory. God doesn't give us power to puff ourselves up or, or, or so that we feel like, yeah, I got the power, but... but uh, so that we could glorify God, so that we could bring honor, so that we can bring praise to the name of God. I appreciate this church. I appreciate that the church is always open. I appreciate that there's always something going on. We have that New Year's uh, event coming up. Uh, what, a, what a time to be able to come and fellowship and gather together with one another. And the, the church uh, that God has established uh, is, a, is a shelter from the storm. It's a sanctuary where, sanctuary where we can come in and worship God together. It's, it's a place where we can find healing, where we can find restoration, and it's a place where we can be refreshed. You ever been on a, driving in traffic on a hot day, you know, and, and you get home and you have a cold glass of water and you just feel, ah, oh, refreshed? Or you've been out laboring in the sun and, and you come into that air-conditioned room and you feel this is refreshing, man. Well, we go through it. We, we understand the heat of the battle. We understand the trials and just the everyday stresses of life. And you come into the house of God and you hear the worship uh, and you hear the word. And it's like a refreshing that comes over your soul that takes place. The church is also a home base. You know what a home base is? Home base is where strategy is given. A home base is where guidance is given. A home base is where direction is formed and a war plan uh, is, is formed for your life. Because we fight a real enemy. We fight a real devil and he's not taking prisoners. And it's in the house of God where we can come in and God can begin to uh, uh, download into your life uh, the strategy you need, whether it's to pray or whether it's to fast uh, or whether it's to seek uh, 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 pastoral counsel. is where you are able to form your, your plan, your war plan, as you continue to fight that good fight of faith. The disciples, right after the resurrection and right before the ascension of Christ back into heaven, uh, they were given a war plan. And that war plan was don't go nowhere. Stay right where you're at. Stay where you're at until the promise of the Holy Spirit is, has been fulfilled. Just, just be patient and wait on God. In the book of Acts, chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus tells them, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. There is something powerful that takes place in the life of a believer when the Holy Spirit comes upon them. And that's what happened in the lives of the disciples, man, as they were waiting for the Spirit of God to come upon them. Now, when we get saved, when we 
stop running from God and come to a place in our lives where we recognize and acknowledge we're sinners in need of a Savior, and we repent and we ask Jesus to come into our lives, immediately the Spirit of God comes into our lives. Immediately we're filled with the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God takes residence. The Bible says that our bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit. And that's why uh, we begin to change. That's why we get convicted when we cuss. It doesn't seem right anymore, right? That's why uh, we no longer talk the way we used to talk. We no longer think the way we used to think. There's that spirit of God that's inside of us, and he's convicting us of sin, and he's changing, and he's transforming us. That's why we don't do what we used to do. Amen. I, I was at uh, work the other day, and one of the groundskeepers came to me, and he says, uh, I need to get to the courtyard, and the courtyard is behind the um, art gallery. And uh, I says, well, I have keys, but I don't have access. There's a uh, display in there right now, and, and they're asking us not to go through there. And he says, well, the only other way to get into the courtyard is through the back, but it's locked. You can, you can exit the courtyard into the alley, but you can't come into the courtyard. Does make sense? So I said, well, let's go check it out, right? So sure enough, it was locked, and, you know, I, I, I um, said, well, you know, if you can keep a secret, I picked the lock, right? And I let him in. And he looked at me and he goes, oh, now I understand why you're always at church, Pat. Because <laughs> God is good, Pat. Because no longer the person I used to be, amen. No, we're no longer the people we used to be. And old nature might still be there and he might still know the tricks. Uh, but there's a new man and there's a new woman living, each, living inside each and every one of us. Uh, amen. And what Jesus was talking about there wasn't so much the, that, that filling of the Spirit, but the baptism of the Holy Spirit, uh, which is an immersion of the Spirit. Uh, so when you're baptized with the Holy Spirit, you receive strength, uh, power, and boldness from God to accomplish your work and to overcome sin within your life. One pastor said this. He said, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is when you are filled with the Spirit and receive extraordinary or supernatural power for Christ-exalting ministry. In other words, that when the disciples, they were there, they were reading, they were praying, they were waiting, but they were powerless, and it wasn't until the Spirit of God came upon them that all of a sudden things began to change, man. Things began to stir. They had a new sense of boldness. Uh, they were empowered, man. They had an anointing and a power that they've never experienced before. They were no longer fearful. They were no longer timid, but they were bold in their proclamation of Jesus Christ, uh, that they would be able to stand on the street corner, proclaim Jesus, and not be afraid, whether it meant that they would be punished by imprisonment uh, or torture or even death. Uh, there was going to be nothing that was going to stop them because of the experience that they had had with Jesus and the experience that they had had when the Spirit of God filled them. There was not just a religious experience, but there was a powerful move of God that took place uh, within their lives. Now they were able to lay hands on the sick and see them healed. They were able to cast out demons. They were able to do miracles, because, not because they were great guys, but because they tapped into the Holy Spirit, because the supernatural working power of God was flowing through them, touching lives and healing lives and seeing souls get saved. And it's the same power that's available for you today. It's the same power that you can tap into tonight. We're talking this month about a supernatural God, so we got to think about a supernatural God. 
They weren't afraid. They were no longer afraid. Jesus told Peter, he says, upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He says, you're going to have the victory, man. He says, and no matter what assault comes against you, we're going to prevail. The word of God is going to prevail. The name of Jesus is going to prevail. The church of God is going to prevail. That's good news for us tonight because the church has, hit, has gotten some hits over the years. The church has gotten some blows over the years. The church is probably trying to be made to feel like it's powerless, like it's helpless. But we serve the king of kings. We serve the Lord of lords. It don't matter who's, uh, who's in, in office. It doesn't matter who the governing bodies are. We serve the ultimate authority who has the ultimate say. In Ephesians 5.18, it says, be filled, be filled with the Spirit. Maybe you might be a little timid when it comes to your faith, when it comes to sharing. Maybe you might be a little embarrassed Maybe you feel like God is calling you to do more, to, to talk to your neighbors or your coworkers and share with them about the goodness of Jesus, but you pull back. I, I, be filled with the Holy Spirit, man. Ask God to fill you with the Holy Spirit, and he'll give you a boldness uh, to minister to that one that he's already put onto your heart to talk to. If we're going to do the will of God for our lives, if we're going to fulfill the plan of God for our lives, we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We used to fill ourselves with who knows what, right? Prior to Jesus, we filled ourselves with chemicals, with drugs, with substances. We filled ourselves with uh, relationships, with money, with status, you name it. Uh, we tried to fill ourselves, and it left us all completely empty. But it wasn't right. It wasn't until we got filled with the Holy Ghost. It wasn't until we got filled with Jesus that all of a sudden things changed. Our hearts changed. Our lives changed. We became transformed, man. It gave our lives purpose and it gave our lives meaning. There's a young generation out there right now. They're looking for meaning and for purpose in their lives. They're looking, they're looking to see change. They want to see, they want to be a part of something that changes people's lives. But it's sad and it's unfortunate because uh, many of these individuals are blinded. They're blinded by, by leaders that are also blind. And, and rather than uh, trying to teach them the truth of God's love, uh, they're hostile towards the thing of God. And they're leading them in rebellion. And they're leading them in anger. And they're leading them in sin. And they're leading them in destruction. And this is a, a generation that, man, I really believe that if they're reached, man, if they experience the power of God within their lives, you'll see revival take all throughout the land because you see how radical they are for destruction. You imagine that generation radical for Jesus? You imagine that generation on fire filled with the Holy Ghost? Book of Romans Chapter 1, verse 16. It says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. The gospel is powerful. The good news of Jesus is powerful. It turns enemies into brothers. It changes and transforms individuals. It makes drug addicts and changes them into royal ranger commanders. That's the power of God. That's the gospel. That's the power of the gospel that takes place. It makes thieves and crooks and makes them ushers. Not that any of our ushers are that, but you know what I'm saying. That's the power of God that's able to change and transform a life, man. 
That's why the enemy fights the gospel. And he fights it so intently and he fights it so aggressively. We need to tell the enemy tonight that the devil is defeated. Say it. Devil, you're defeated. Satan knows he's defeated. Luke 11:20, Jesus says, but if I cast out demons with the finger of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. That's radical, man. Jesus he's, was given, a, as I said earlier, that, that authority to each and every one of us to trample upon every snake and scorpion that would try to come our way. It's at the name of Jesus, those devils are subject to flee. It's at the name of Jesus, people can be healed. It's at the name of Jesus that people can be delivered. It's at the name of Jesus that chains can be broken. It's at the name of Jesus that bondages uh, can be torn. Yokes would be destroyed at the name of Jesus. And so when the enemy would try to come in and attack uh, your life uh, or your health or your family or your finances... Jesus has already given you the power to withstand him. Jesus has already given you the power to fight back and to, and to keep going forward. It's a fight. The Bible says it's a fight, a good fight of faith. And if you've ever been in a fight, whether a physical or a verbal one, you know that fights, you get shots exchanged, right? Sometimes you get some good ones in and sometimes you get some good ones. And the enemy would try to get uh, uh, some shots in and make us feel powerless, and make us feel helpless, uh, and make us feel defeated, and make us feel like, uh, what's the use, man? Make us feel like this, just, you know what, I'm done. We got to remind ourselves, uh, we got to remind the enemy that greater is he that is within us than he who's within this world. That the battle's not over. None of us are in heaven yet. We're still going to fight. We're still going to keep going forward. I've got the power. The Bible gives us a warning, though. It gives us a warning. The book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 10, verse 12. It says, now, if you think you are standing strong, be careful not to fall. And I really believe that daily, daily, we need to make our minds up that we're going to serve God. We need to make our minds up that we're going to rest on God's mercy and on God's grace. And we need to make our minds up that we're going to depend on God and we're going to trust him and we're going to trust as he leads us. Daniel, the Bible says, he purposed within his heart to, to not defile himself. Joshua, he told the people of God, uh, the, the Israelites, uh, you need to make up your mind today who you're going to serve. Me and my house, we're going to serve God, but you need to make up your mind. And I really believe that every single day we need to wake up and make up our mind. No matter what comes against me today, I'm going to serve you, God. I'm going to continue to go forward for you. In the in the book of 1 Samuel, we learn about two kings in particular, King Saul and King David. And King Saul, I believe, is an example to each and every one of us uh, because King Saul started out under the anointing of God, under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, walking in the power and walking in, in, in the ability that God had given him as a king. In 1 Samuel 10, verses 6 and 7, the prophet Samuel speaking to, 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 to Saul, and he says, The Spirit of the Lord will come upon you, and you will prophesy with them and be turned into another man. And let it be when these signs come to you that you do as the occasion demands, for God is with you, he tells them. Jump down to verse 9, it says, And so it was that when he had turned his back from Samuel, that God gave him another heart, and all those signs came to pass that day. Thank God for a new heart Thank God because uh, uh, that we, God took that hard, rock-solid heart of ours 
and gave us a sensitive heart, a a heart of flesh, a heart that is sensitive and responsive to the Holy Spirit uh, and to the needs of others. Here is Saul, and he's experiencing revival in his life, uh, and he's experiencing victory in his life because he was walking with God in humility and in obedience. Uh, But then he began to take his eyes off of God, and he began to put his eyes on himself. And pride began to creep into his life, uh, and pride's a killer. Pride will rip you and rob you of the power of God in your life. And no longer was he leaning on God. No longer was he leaning on on God's guidance and direction. But he started to make decisions uh, not out of obedience, but out of disobedience, out of arrogance. After all, he's the king now. And the strategy of the enemy is always to get us to separate ourselves from God. It's always to become independent of God. It was a strategy that he used against Adam and Eve in the garden. It was a strategy that he tried to use against Jesus uh, in the wilderness. Uh, And it was a strategy that he tries to use against you and I to get ourselves to pull away and be less dependent on God. Because of that disobedience, it began to affect uh, Saul and his kingship. began to affect... uh, the way he made decisions, it began to affect that those he was leading, that they, they were at a place where uh, Samuel told them, just wait. They were facing opposition. They were facing a challenge. They were facing adversity from the Philistine army. And Samuel said, just wait until I get there, and I'll make the sacrifice. I'll, make the, I'll, I'll, I'll give the offering. And in Paul's impa- or Saul's impatience, he went ahead and he stepped, overstepped his boundary, and he made the sacrifice himself. And I tell you this, if we're going to experience the power of God within our lives, we need to learn how to submit ourselves to the authority that God has placed over us. I knew this point was going to be hard. God has placed godly men over our lives, pastors, an authority to help us, to shepherd us, to guide us. And if you want to see victory in your life, if you want to see power in your life, it starts with being able to submit to your leadership, submit to the authority of God. God says the only way you're able to resist the devil is when you submit to God. And this was Saul's uh, um, uh, struggle, that he no longer wanted to submit to that authority. And his, deci- his decision-making led him to, to um, make decisions that were affecting his family. Was, he had a strained relationship with his son. The power of God was no longer at work within his life. And at the end, uh, Saul's ultimate failure was that uh, he was told to destroy all the enemies of Israel, the Amalekites. Get rid of all of that. Get rid of this, uh, this, this enemy of yours. It's going to bring you down. And what Saul did is that he didn't do that. He, he spared the king and he spared uh, some of the livestock. And the, and the prophet Samuel said, it's disobedience that you're dealing with here, man. Sacrifice is, is uh, uh, obedience is better than sacrifice. And there's times within our lives where God's going to tell us, you need to get rid of some things. You need to cut some things loose. It might be a habit. It might be a relationship. It might be what you watch or what you listen to. But the Holy Spirit has been dealing with you and he's been saying, cut that loose, get rid of that. Because it's affecting you and it's affecting your walk with God. 
It might be even a physical thing. It might be a physical thing. Uh, We're in the Halloween season, right? And we see it out there, you know, the ghouls and the goblins and, and the temptation as parents is to, you know, want your kids to experience that. That's what we have to save zone on, on uh, the, the Sunday before ha- uh, Halloween. Bring your kids to the safe zone. They'll be blessed, man. But sometimes we allow certain things into our homes, uh, things that we need to get rid of, crystals, dream catchers, cards, statues, anything associated with the occult, uh, witchcraft, or new age practices. It's got no place in the, in the home or in the life of a believer. Because those things invite demons. Uh, those things invite evil spirits. Uh, and they will affect you and they will affect your family, not only spiritually, but even physically. We got to be careful what we allow into our homes. The Spirit of God departed from Saul. And now Saul was open to the assaults of the enemy. And rather than operating in the power of the Holy Spirit, uh, he was now dealing with strongholds and issues in his life. Fear gripped his life. He, he, he was afraid of the giants and afraid of the Philistine army. You know, and it spread into those that he was leading because not only was he afraid, but all of Israel, the army was afraid. And for 40 days, they, they were being taunted. And here comes this little shepherd boy who had just been anointed, who had just had the spirit of God come into his life. And he looks at that giant and he says, who is this giant think he is to be calling out our God? And he called out that giant, not by might nor by power, but, my, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And he told that giant, you're going to go down. We need to start calling out some giants in our lives. We need to start calling them out and telling them, by the power of God, you're going down, giant. Whether it's a giant of fear or a giant of jealousy or a giant of resentment or a giant of lust or a giant of whatever, we need to call it out and say, you're going down. By the spirit of the most high God, by the name of Jesus. Saul ultimately he lost his kingdom, his family, and then he, he, he lost his life. He lost his life. And, and what a, you know, at one point he had the power of God at work within him, and he lost it all. And I don't know about you, church, but I don't want to lose what God has given me. I don't want to lose the blessings that he's, he's given me, man. And I'm tired of losing ground to the enemy. I'm tired of letting him steal away our young people or steal away our youth. I'm tired of him trying to steal away our joy. I'm tired of him trying to steal away our power. We serve a God that is mightier than the enemy, but we got to start to learn how to fight back. We got to start learning how to get at it, man, and withstand him. Get the power back. Get the power back. We, when we find ourselves with maybe hardened hearts or resentful, or angry, or maybe even distant from God, or feeling powerless. You know what we need to do? We need to go back. We need to go back to our first love. We need to repent. We need to go back to where we lost the the axe head, that cutting edge within our lives. We need to begin to seek once again the face and and the heart and the mercy of God. The Bible says it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. God's a good God. He loves us tonight. And the difference between King Saul and King David was repentance. King David sinned. He sinned with, when he had the affair with Bathsheba and he murdered her husband. And when he was confronted, he didn't make excuses or try to justify it, but he says, I'm the man, I did it. 
And he began to ask God for mercy and ask God for grace and, the book of, and for forgiveness. In the book of Psalms 51, 10 and 11, remember we used to sing this song. It was years ago. It says, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. It says, do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. David understood, no matter how mighty of a warrior he was, no matter how good of a leader, a military leader he was, no matter how strong he was to kill a lion and a bear and a giant, he knew and understand that without the Spirit of God working in his life, he was powerless. Without the Spirit of God being, being filling him and, and being at work within his life, there was, he, was, he was an adulterer and a murderer. See, unrepented sin would stop us from experiencing the fullness of God. The Bible says that we're to cast off that weight uh, and that sin that easily ensnares us. Uh, and as a church of God, as a believer of God, and as a, as a born-again child or son or daughter of the Most High God, we've got to start walking in freedom. He's given us freedom. We've got to start walking in liberty. We've got to start walking in the victory and the power that the Spirit of God gives to each and every one of us. We could have our worship team come up. Uh, the book of Romans, chapter 8, verse 11. It says, but if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give uh, life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Think about that power, that awesome power that the spirit of God that raised Christ from the dead also dwells inside of you. What's dead in your life? Is your walk with God dying? It's the spirit of God that's going to revive it. Uh, is your faith uh, starting to waver? It's the Spirit of God, the power of God that's going to that's embolden your faith. Uh, what is it that's dying in your life? Uh, that, that There's nothing impossible for God. There's nothing impossible. If, if the Spirit of God can resurrect the body of Christ, uh, what's going on in your life that he can't do? There's nothing. There's nothing impossible for God. There's nothing impossible for the Spirit of God. Romans 8.26, it says, Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercessions for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. What an awesome gift the Holy Spirit is in our lives. A couple weeks ago, the women had their, their women warrior workshop. I think that was it. And I remember Sister Teresa Smith, she gave an awesome, awesome, I happened to be here because I was in the media, okay? If you're wondering why I was at the women's workshop. But she gave an awesome, an awesome message about the weapons of our warfare. And she talked about tongues. And as she was talking, Brother John Hadamil looked at me and said, she should be preaching this at Men's Discipleship. It was that good. And she talked about tongues. That when you pray in tongues, when you're praying in the spirit, you're praying the perfect will of God for your life. Are you worried tonight? Pray in the spirit. Are you fearful tonight? Pray in the spirit. Are you anxious tonight? Pray in the spirit. Are you in trouble tonight? Pray in the spirit. Are you distressed? Pray in the spirit. Don't matter what it is you're going through tonight. It's not greater than the God that you serve. And if you begin to pray in the Spirit and begin to tap into the supernatural anointing of God, you're going to see yourself through whatever it is that you're going through. God's an awesome God. He's not giving us a spirit of fear. Amen? 
but of love, power, and of a sound mind. Let's give God praise tonight. Hallelujah, Father. Oh, hallelujah, God. God, we praise you tonight in this place. God. We love you, Lord. We love you, God, tonight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. With our heads bowed tonight and our eyes closed.